I don't know how many of you have uh, purchased the Advent guides, but we have them available back at the Scoop at Scum. They're $2. They cost us $2.50, so we're taking a loss on them. But we think it's important that this season be a spiritual one, not just a financial one. And the, thought, the topic is going to be thin places. We're going to explore that theme for the next four weeks. And you can follow along if you read the Advent Guide. It's just one devotion a week. So, you know, you don't have to do diligence and have the devotion every single day. You know, you can procrastinate for six days and do it on the last day, which I think is more of a scum way of doing things, at least for me, uh, and probably for a lot of you. So, you know... You can, you, can, you can play catch-up, and it actually works, um, unlike those Bible-in-a-year programs where you better keep up with it every day. Um, but let me give you a definition of thin places. Thin places are those places or events in life where the dividing line between the holy and the ordinary is very thin, to the point that the ordinary becomes holy and the holy becomes ordinary. Yeah. I mean, Christmas is just that, isn't it? A time when the holy became ordinary. Jesus left heaven, left the splendor which he had created to come to earth as a very helpless, very needy little tiny baby who relied on the care of his mother Mary for his life. And yet, we know that this baby was like on any other. So much so that he became the ultimate thin place. The place where, where heaven and earth met. And people who encountered him were changed forever. So much so that 2,000 years later, we are still feeling the ripples of that gigantic rock that God threw into our lake. So, yeah, here we are. Thin places. It's a Celtic notion, actually. The, the Celts, those people who lived in Great Britain and the northern regions and to the west in Ireland, they believed that there were certain places on the earth where you could go and where the veil that separated heaven and earth was quite thin. That normally you could go through your life and not really hear God or see God very clearly. But then you might come to a place, maybe it's a spot by a waterfall, maybe it's a very high mountain cliff, uh, maybe it is a rock in a field, and there... You could see God more clearly. You could hear him more plainly. It was a thin place. The Bible actually talks about a thin place, actually several thin places, especially if you read in the Old Testament. The one that comes to my mind immediately is the Holy of Holies. It was part of the tabernacle and it was also part of the temple that the Jews built. It was that one particular place where the glory of God dwelt the entire year. Every day it shone brightly. 
It was such a holy place that only the high priest could go there once a year after the requisite prayers. And even then they were worried about him going in there. They would have bells on his robe and a cord tied around his waist. So if he dropped dead in the Holy of Holies due to the presence of God, they could pull him out when they stopped hearing the bells tinkling back and forth. So that would be a thin place, a very thin place. But also, you know, we read about stories um, Abraham got up, took his family, and left where he was to go to a place where God had told him because God spoke to him at some point in a certain place. That must have been, for Abraham, a thin place. We know that uh, his grandson Jacob had occasion to speak with God a couple different times. One time, Jacob was sleeping on the ground, and this vision of a stairway to heaven opened up to him with angels going up and down. And we know that that place so impressed Jacob that he actually built a little pile of stones there to mark the place as the home of God. And then later on, uh, years later, he's coming back from that same journey and he has an encounter with a messenger from God. Some people believe it was the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ with whom he wrestled all night long. And he named that place because it was there that he encountered God in a very significant way. The psalmist would say that God in your presence is fullness of joy. So the psalmist knew something about the presence of God versus a time when he didn't sense God's presence. Sometimes we're more aware of God's presence than other times. It's kind of like being um, in the ocean, maybe the Mediterranean or someplace in the Caribbean, where you're in a boat, but you can see the bottom of the ocean extremely clearly, where most of the time you can't. That would be the kind of place we're talking about, like you're almost there, but not quite. You can see better than you normally do. I think for our purposes, um, at least in the New Testament, I think it's hard to support the notion of, of thin places in a literal sense. We're not about the geography so much in the New Testament. Because for us, Jesus becomes the ultimate thin place, as I said before. And uh, the odd thing is, though, is sometimes Jesus would go alone to pray in deserted places. You know? Even though he was God in the flesh, when he wanted to pray or meditate, he would take off from the hubbub of every day and go and find some out-of-the-way place where he could commune. With his father in heaven. So I think there's something to this geography bit, right? 
I mean, let's look at it this way. Right now, we are a displaced people, right? I mean, we are here at His Love Fellowship. Praise God. Thank you very much for the folks that are letting us use this building. But it kind of feels like we're sleeping on somebody else's couch, doesn't it? I mean, it's like, after a while, I just want my own room, my own bed. That's what I want, you know? I mean, for eight years, we were kind of wandering around. It felt that way all the time. So while I don't want to say the church is anything but the people, place in terms of us who are physical flesh and blood beings, these amphibians, as C.S. Lewis would say, half spirit, half animal, Place means something to us. And so I look forward to the day when we can celebrate back in our own space. And yet I know that the Spirit of God is not limited to that space. The Word became flesh. The Scriptures tell us the Word did not become a place. Jesus is our ultimate thin places. And the interesting thing is, I think you can look at thin places, I mean, in almost like two ends of a spectrum. I mean, there certainly is the contemplative place, the place of solitude, right? But you've also got the community place, the place of service. You've got the prayer place. You've got the people place. Because honestly, I mean... I have experienced thin places sometimes in the middle of a church service. I know it's hard to believe. But sometimes God even breaks into a church service, and I don't know what it is. It might be, I mean, this morning at at morning church, uh, Melanie Padilla was leading us, and she hit a verse on the song, this Rich Mullen song, and she just broke down. She just couldn't go on. The lyrics were impacting her. God was speaking to her. It was for her, all of a sudden, a very thin place and a very public place all at the same time. I mean, she's up there leading us all in worship. Thank God she was already there. (laughs) We could follow her. But you know what I'm saying? I'm saying that sometimes these thin places don't have to be secluded. Sometimes the thinnest places for me honestly, have been at Pete's Greek Town Cafe after church with a bunch of folks around a table having a great time. And we just left, the, you know, the church meeting. Sometimes the meeting after the meeting is the most important meeting, even at Scum, whether it's at St. Mark's or whether it's at Dazzle or even the church, I mean, the nightclub, the church. It's possible that God could break in even there. And I think he does. Sometimes we experience a thin place in the office or the place where we work. You know, it could be a customer who comes up. I remember Scott Kingry, who's on staff with Where Grace Abounds, told me about how there was this one particular customer who would come into the bank where he was a teller, and every time the guy came in, it was like sweet water to a thirsty soul. Who knew? When you've encountered death for the first time and you're in the depths of sorrow, 
Sometimes a person coming up to you and sitting next to you on the couch at the funeral home and not saying a word the entire time becomes a, a touchstone for the grace of God. So there's this dichotomy between solitude and, and service. Maybe you experience God in the middle of, you know, a mission trip, building a house for orphans in Mexico, amid the pounding of nails and the screams of children, all of a sudden you taste heaven. There's contemplation and community. Maybe you experience God in a small group setting where you're all around praying after having studied the Bible. There's your own private prayer, or sometimes you find a thin place in a person who God happens to drop into your life at exactly the right time when you needed it. I think there's like a couple times when thin places become really important. One, after we've experienced a long dry spell. Now, for our passage today, I want you to know the background of our biblical passage today is that this nation of Israel has gone through a prolonged dry spell. One of their own poets said this, We are given no miraculous signs. No prophets are left. None of us knows how long this will be. How long will the enemy mock you, O God? It had been 400 years since a word of prophecy had been spoken by anybody in the nation of Israel. And they were longing for God to do something, please. And sometimes for us, I think, you know, we are in these extended dry periods spiritually. And we're just waiting and hoping that God will break in. And that's why we come to church. We're hoping that somehow God is going to do something different. It might have been Flannery O'Connor who said, when you come to church, they should hand out life jackets at the door and crash helmets because heaven may come bursting in. And sometimes you're just minding your own business, going through life, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, smack. Heaven is upon you. Something opens your eyes. You hear the sound of angels. You, don't, you weren't looking for it. You don't know why it's there. It just hits you all of a sudden. Now I'm going to do something that people have gone normally hate. I'm going to ask you, this question, think of a time in your life when God felt especially close. Did it come after a long time of hoping, or were you just living your life when suddenly heaven broke in? Let me say that again. Think of a time in your life when God felt especially close. Did it come after a long time of hoping, or were you just living your life when heaven suddenly broke in? Please Turn and talk to somebody about that around you. And if you see somebody who hasn't talked to anybody, then talk to them. I know this is odd. It's difficult. It's weird. We're all introverted, artistic types. But, you know, I'm pushing you on this one, okay? All right. Go ahead. You got like two minutes.
Okay, wind it down about 30 more seconds. Okay, make that 15. <laughs> A little background to today's passage. Main character in this passage is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, God must have really liked Mary. That's all I got to say. Because he gave upon her maybe the greatest honor he could bestow any woman in the history of the earth he chose her to be the vessel by which the messiah came into the world i'm not so sure that mary had done anything especially to warrant such favor but the truth is when the news came upon her, she responded quite well. And she said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me as you have said to the angel. And she didn't even hesitate. Mary said yes to God's interruption of her life. Now, that's awesome, right? That's a thin place. That's a very thin place. But let me tell you something, that thin places aren't just for us. God had a plan. And his plan was to bless the entire world through Mary's obedience. Her saying yes to that thin place brought her into close contact with heaven like Maybe nobody since has ever experienced. But it cost her. It cost her the doubts of her fiancé, who wondered if she had been fooling around with another man and was pregnant by him, and that God had nothing to do with it. He was planning on calling off the wedding. Because the alternative was stoning. He was just going to divorce her quietly. The scripture says. That's devastating all by itself. But then of course there was the suspicion of her neighbors in Nazareth. As she became more and more pregnant wondering, hmm, what's going on here? And in a country like that, it was not nearly as easy to be unwed and pregnant as it is in this country. She had to endure the pain of childbirth. It meant that As a pregnant woman, she would have to, as a very pregnant woman, she would have to get on a donkey and go from her hometown all the way to Jerusalem. You know, doctors now don't want you to travel in that ninth month, right? Well, God obviously did not consult one of those doctors. 
It must not have been very comfortable for her to do that. And then, once the baby was born and still a child, she had to flee to Egypt, a different country. It's like going to Canada, only weirder. (laughs) That was for you, Lacey. Flee to Egypt and live there as an alien. And I doubt that they treated aliens any better back then than we do now. Because Herod was out to kill the boy, so she and Joseph had to get out of the country. It meant raising a kid that she could never understand. I, I try like crazy to understand what it would be like to, to raise a perfect teenager. I mean, <laughs> it's like you're never right. The teenager is always right. This would set my world upside down. As a matter of fact, we know it set Mary's world upside down because there's a couple times in the scriptures where she and the rest of the family were coming to take Jesus by force because they thought he was crazy. That's how little Mary understood her firstborn son. And one time they were at a wedding and she and Jesus got in a little argument. Like she must know he's got these powers, right? It's like she elbows him in this side going, Jesus, they're out of wine. Hey, Jesus, they're out of wine. Jesus looks at her and says, woman, (laughs) it's not my time yet. But like a good Jewish boy, he obeys his mom and turns the water into wine. It meant watching her son be misunderstood, be plotted against by the establishment, be falsely arrested, be tortured, nailed to a cross, and die. That's what it meant. The thin place began that whole thing. When God breaks into someone's life, it's for a purpose. And yet, we find in the book of Acts, we find Mary gathered with all the believers, waiting for the Holy Spirit to fall, just like her son said would happen. She's part of the group of believers. She who had once held Jesus was now allowing him to hold her and to direct her life, even as she once directed his A tremendous amount of humility on her part. Another character we're going to meet in today's story is Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth came from a priestly family. Her husband came from a priestly family, and they kind of paid the the price in the front end while Mary paid it on the back end. They were childless, and in that culture, that was a badge of dishonor. God must not be blessing you, even though it looks... Like, you know, you may have your act together, Elizabeth and Zechariah. We know that God must not look on you with very much favor because you've been childless all these years. 
weird thing about it is the Bible says that God looked at them as upright people. Like God had inspected their life and God find nothing to fault them with. And so they had to live with this unjust judgment from the society around them. And one day the angel Gabriel comes to Elizabeth in her old age. I'm sorry, came to her husband Zechariah while he was serving in the temple as a priest and said, you're going to have a son. He's going to be great in the eyes of God and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah, for Jesus. And so you have then Zechariah go home from the temple and next thing you know, his old wife is pregnant and uh, all of a sudden her shame is taken away. But she had endured that shame for a long, long time. There had been no error for them. There was no one to take care of them in their old age. There was no one to take on the family name and pass it on. It appeared as if they were cursed. So in the end, it seems like this thin place was a result of all those years of what they had sacrificed and what they had suffered and what they had paid. Don't take thin places lightly. Very often, when God breaks into our lives, it's for our own benefit to be sure. Mary rejoiced, Elizabeth rejoiced, but there was a part they had to play in God's eternal plan. And when God breaks into our lives, it's not just for our benefit so we can feel good. It's usually because he's got a part for us to play in what he's up to. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. You can read with me, please. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Now, Mary's in Nazareth. She's going to the hill country of Judea. It's probably a three- to five-day trip for a teenager, extremely dangerous, Robbers along the way, so hopefully her family sent her with a caravan or they took her there or something. Maybe around 50 miles or so. Where Mary entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you'll bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. This is like Holy Spirit hopscotch. <laughs> it's like the Holy Spirit comes on the, f- the baby in the womb first, right? John the Baptist, the kid starts jumping and kicking at the sound of, of Mary's greeting, which then the Holy Spirit then enters Elizabeth, and Elizabeth starts praising God, prophesying. I mean, I don't think before that she knew that Mary was carrying the Messiah. Mary was barely pregnant at that point. So much so that she probably didn't even feel the baby yet. It was that little. And then all of a sudden, 
Mary is filled with the Holy Spirit, and right after this, there's the Magnificat, the, the Song of Mary. And it's historical in scope. I mean, it's huge. She's talking about the rising and falling of nations and what God's doing in the planet, and it's just, like, phenomenal. Like slam poetry, circa 4 B.C., amazing. Kate Mackay would have been impressed. Anyway. So that's what happens here in this, uh, in this story. Mary's song, which we didn't read. Elizabeth's prophetic utterance. John's leaping for joy in his mom's womb are all the results of a very, very thin place. God has broken in. Something has happened in their lives. And when something happens in your life with God, stuff happens. We're going to be looking at those thin places in the story of Christmas coming up here for the next three more weeks. How thin places then beget this proclamation something happens something's required I'm going to tell you about a thin place that I had Um, wait for my cue okay well I had a thin place when I was four years old I know I was four years old because we hadn't left our house on Brussels Street because I was five when we lived with my grandmother I went to kindergarten for the very first time so I was like four my brother was two the twins were not yet born and I remember that my parents had this dinner party and they put us to bed early and um, I was in my bedroom I was lying down and they had the door open I don't know why Maybe so they could keep me awake with all their rumbling. The guys would rumble, the girls would like chatter. It's like it was like a symphony, you know, of adult voices. Mama 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 the guys and like with the girls, you know, it was like I just remember lying there listening and going thinking, uh, hope I can get to sleep. Well, I don't even know if I was asleep or awake for this, but this is what happened. So, so I'm lying there, and, 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 and the wall is next to my bed. There's a door right up there. And the hallway, light was on, so light was coming into the doorway. It was casting this large pane of light on the wall next to me. And my covers, you know, were silhouetted on my wall. They were like this landscape, you know. And, of course, there was a shadow over here where the door jam was, and a shadow over here where the door jam was, and this big pane of white light. I'm just laying there, listening to adult voices, and all of a sudden, the weirdest thing happens. This silhouette, this shadow figure, this man, starts walking on the landscape of my covers. I remember he was walking. I could see his legs move up. He was walking. Is pulling a rope. And on the rope was this donkey. 
And there's a silhouette of a man pulling a, a donkey by a rope, walking across my wall. And I'm thinking, an adult is playing a trick on me. Because my dad used to do shadow figures, you know, like, you know, bunnies and alligators and swans and things. But nothing nearly as lifelike as this. But I thought, there's an adult playing a trick on me. So I remember looking over toward the doorway, and there was nobody there. Uh, This is weird. So I sat up in bed, and I leaned forward to look in my parents' bedroom across the hallway, and I could see it was dark. I looked back, and, you know, man and donkey had made progress across my wall, and were entering the shadow on the other side, and, you know, pretty soon they disappeared. That's weird. Went to sleep. Next morning, I'm pretty sure I told my mom about it, and I think she probably told me it was a dream. But it was the weirdest thing I'd ever experienced at four years old. So much so that 20 years later, when I'm getting married to my wife, Mary, we're talking about early childhood memories, and I said, I got a weird one for you. And so I tell her about this thing that I saw on my wall. And, you know, I said, well, I, you know, I don't know what it meant. You know, I, I remember thinking over the years that, you know, it could be like Joseph leading Mary to Bethlehem on a donkey, except there was no Mary on a donkey. So maybe that's what it has to do with. I, mean, I married a girl named Mary. There you go. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Twenty-some more years go by, right? I get this letter from InterVarsity Press. Now, I... Uh, have been invited to the symposium of people who were working in ministry with folks, you know, 18 to 30-ish, which is most of the people at SCUM. And uh, they were launching a new book line, and they wanted, you know, the advice of people who were in that world to talk to them about how they could best serve that demographic, I mean, it's about ministry, but it's also about money. You know, they want to know how to do it right. And so they flew me and a bunch of other people to Chicago. And that's what the invitation was about. Come to the symposium. We want to ask you questions. We're launching this new book line called Likewise. And, and, and this is the crazy thing. This was the logo on the page. My mouth hit the floor. I called. I said, Mary you got to come over and see this. And I showed her the logo, and all of a sudden, like, tears are filling her eyes. We're going, oh. I said, Mary, I'm going to have a book published with these people. I don't know what else this could mean. Either that I'm going to go there and I'm going to die in Chicago. This is the weird thing. I was already working on a book proposal that I had sent to Baker Books. uh, That I was going to send, and I sent it to Baker Books. And Baker Books accepted the proposal. They they were going to offer me a book contract. And then this came. I'm going, oh. And when I got there, guess what they did? They said, hey, 
We believe in you guys, obviously, because we brought you here. So we haven't started this book line yet, but you're the, who we consider to be the, the quote-unquote experts. So, you know, submit a book proposal. So I go on, I can do that today. <laughs> because it was on my computer. I tweaked it a little bit, made it a little better than it was for Baker because I had learned a couple things. And um, I was the very first book proposal they accepted for Likewise Books. Crazy, huh? Now, like I said, these thin places are not just for you. For the next three years, I had to work on that book. I, I, I mean, I'm an extrovert. I like being around people. Do you understand that most successful authors are introverts? Why is that? Because you're all alone in a room with a computer. And you're left with your thoughts. And there's nothing to distract you. It was hard for me. I felt like somebody was punishing me and sending me to my room to do my homework. <laughs> there was a sacrifice and worry for a while. I quit. I'm going to forget. I'm not going to do it. But then I go, now i got to send the money back if they... Don't get a manuscript, so i got to start working on it again. I mean, I had to leave some of my responsibilities from scum behind. And um, that was difficult for me, too. Hopefully, though, this is part of God's plan, that God will use the book in places where I will never go. I wish you would use it a little bit more at the present time. <laughs> But we all have thin places like this. You talked about them among yourselves just a few minutes ago. And my question for us is this today. Do we want a fresh encounter with God? Are we sold out enough to do what he wants when that thin place occurs? I'm hoping that scum this Advent season is a thin place for all of us. I hope that by the time Christmas rolls around, we're closer. Heaven appears nearer than it did when we started. And I believe the Holy Spirit dwells in every believer. And I think that, that, that believers are like millions of thin places out there in the world. As one guy put it, it's like if the... Uh, if the barrier between heaven and earth were made of cheese, it'd be like Swiss cheese for the believer, like little holes here and there where, where God's light shines through. And that's a cheesy example, I understand. It's a cheesy example of a holy church. <laughs> I know you hate it, but you'll remember it. Because each one of us is a thin place. We're like a little portal through which people can experience the presence of God, hopefully. So I'm all in favor of churches 
providing services for people to experience God. I'm all in favor of retreat centers and meditation rooms and all those kinds of things to get close to God. But I'm, I'm much more excited about us being thin places for the world outside. But this is the question we have to answer. Are you interruptible like Mary was? Are you available to God like Elizabeth was? And very often these things happen, you know, on the way to doing something else. I don't know what Mary was going to do when she was a teenager and all of a sudden got visited by the angel Gabriel. But I'm certain that she wasn't looking for that kind of a thin place to happen in her life. And Elizabeth had longed for it and hoped for a long, long time that God would do something in her life before he finally did. But when he finally did, she was ready. Are you interruptible? Are you aware that God may have thin places for you to experience while you're on the way to doing something else? Because honestly, a lot of Jesus' ministry happened on the way to someplace else. He was going to heal this man's daughter, and like, you know, three people in the middle, like, interrupted him. And it was all God's plan for his life for him to do those kinds of things. Let's, let's be aware, especially in the Christmas season, let's be aware that heaven could break in at any moment. Maybe through a holy friendship, like Mary and Elizabeth had, you experience something, somebody else has experienced something, you've got a common bond, and God has broken into your lives. You could be a thin place for somebody else. I hope you have those thin places in people, hopefully right here at Scum. If not here at Scum, then someplace else. And, and maybe you could be a thin place for someone you don't know yet. Just be open to it. Be aware. I know it's hard to believe, but even your marriage could be a thin place. Maybe this... Christmas season when things get so tense in the home because Christmas costs so much money and there's so much to do, so many places to go, maybe your marriage could be a thin place like it was for Zechariah and Elizabeth, like it was for Mary and Joseph. And anyway... I want us to be open, watching, and listening for those thin places that God will have us be aware of in the coming weeks. I'm going to say a prayer for us now. And uh, what I'd like you to do is to agree with me in this prayer that we're going to be open as a body to what God might have for us. If you have never encountered God in a thin place, then I'm going to ask you 
to not only pray with me right now, but go back over here. There'll be a, a team of folks praying in the prayer room after I'm done, or after I'm done, while the worship band is continuing with the worship of God in song. I'd like you to go back here and pray with somebody in the room. It could be about a situation. Maybe you're one of those people who's longed and hoped for God to break into your life for a long, long time. That would be a good thing to pray for with folks back there. Maybe you've just kind of been meandering through your life and all of a sudden, you know, smack, God has done something in your life and you want to pray with somebody about it because you're not sure how to react. You're not sure whether you want to take on the responsibility that Thin Place is going to present. That would be a good thing to pray about with people back there. But if you could all pray with me right now, that'll at least be a start, okay? Dear Lord, please speak, for your servants are listening. Dear Lord, please act, because we are watching. Dear Lord, please, please move because our hands are reached out trying to feel for your movement and where you're headed. We want to encounter you, Jesus. I know that there's no way we can encounter you like Mary did or like anybody who met you and talked with you did, but you love us just the same. And so I'm asking, Lord, as a pastor to folks who are seeking after you, Lord, grant us the grace of your presence in a special way sometime during this Christmas season. Take us to the thin places. Let us get a new touch from you. Let us taste and see, Lord, that you are good. For in your presence is fullness of joy. In Christ's name, your name we pray. Amen.